Welcome to the Nibble Scotland Over Coffee podcast, where our aim is to get out of my comfort zone and meet our local food champions around Scotland. People whose passion for delivering the finest produce is our game. Often, these heroes are located by word of mouth, as in the case with this week's guest, Katie Phillips, from Pasture Poultry in Bigger. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> I first came across Katie's chickens at one of my favourite butchers for size in Peebles. For once, the humble and often commoditised meat sat proud in the cabinet and fought off the competition from the side of lamb or rib of beef. Katie's chicken is what I would call a proper chicken. It will feed your family a roast one day, have enough for seconds and next, and make a fabulous stock. There's no waste, just fabulous taste. So Katie, as a very young farmer, <laughs> you are a new generation. So how, do you, how did you get into farming? Um, I've always lived rurally um, mm -hmm. and it was when I first started going along to Young Farmers. Um, I was about 16 when I started going along. Young Farmers was a great community to go and get involved with. Um, so many people to meet, so many things mm -hmm. to go and do. You can go and learn a lot of life skills socially and networking and just generally meet a lot of fantastic people. Um, and that's where I actually met Craig, my partner, who, who is a farmer down in the borders. Okay. Um, and then we both moved out to Bigger um, mm -hmm. onto our own farm um, about two years ago. Um, and we've never looked back since. So yeah. that's how I kind of fell into the whole sort of farming scenario. And am I correct in saying this new business, you're, you're still doing holding two hats really and holding down a nine to five job as well? Yeah, that's correct. So um, I hold down a job as well. It's based in Edinburgh. Um, so I'm a certification officer um, for a quality assurance scheme called UFAS, which is the Universal Feed Assurance Scheme. Um, okay. So we sign off a lot of companies um, within that scheme to sell animal feed safe and legally. So okay. no animals are going to get poisoned with salmonella or anything like that. Mm. It's um, just trying to keep everyone safe. So have you got farming qualifications then as well? Or? Yeah, so um, I went off to uh, SAC and I went and completed a, an applied animal science degree mm -hmm. um, with them and then from there I went on to start a job with Aviagen, which is a poultry breeding company um, okay. and that's where my passion for broilers came in because right. I always had a passion for poultry it's just I wasn't very sure where it would where it was going. Well, that was then going to settle. Well, that was interesting because my next question really was what motivated you <laughs> into the chickens. Um, so with the chickens, I've always had a, a real big passion for anything with feathers, really. Mum uh -huh. basically chucked me five chickens when I was about the age of five and said, look after them, your responsibility. Really? Yeah, and um, I've never really looked back since. Just loved showing them, loved having them, and then I always thought, oh, I could have a business of some sort with them uh -huh. um, and I initially thought oh, I could go down the, the laying route, go with mm -hmm. laying hens but it was then once I'd been with Abby Jen and my boss at the time was um, a man called Davy Thompson mm -hmm. and he was a fantastic tutor, he was a fantastic teacher of poultry. I know that sounds daft but mm -hmm. he just knew everything about poultry and that's where the whole idea of broilers began. Great, so describe to us, uh, lay a picture in our minds of the land and the farm that you've got and the size and how the where the chickens are kept and things. Yeah, um, so the farm is Parkgate Stone Farm. It's based just outside of Broughton. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, 480 acres there um, and Craig mostly runs its um, cattle and sheep that we yeah. mostly run on the farm. 
um, I took a fancy to one of the fields out of the front of the house and mm -hmm. I thought, hmm, that would do quite good for chickens, Craig. Uh -huh. So we got in a couple of um, small kind of pheasant rearing sheds. It's all very low scale uh -huh. um, and put them out in the front. Um, some big electric fences around them to keep them safe and they just, they're pretty close to the house. <laughs> so that's about, so electric fences is your protection for yeah, the foxes really? Yeah, I've had actually quite a bit of bother with foxes recently. So, so what's just, your magic trick? With the foxes, how do you keep them? Do you well, we've, a, we've actually got a pretty good um, gamekeeper next door, okay. um, so he's pretty good at coming in and managing them. Okay. But they're just so destructive when they come in. Um, and it's a crying shame. I know it's all part and parcel of the whole do. wildlife and living out in the country, but... But the, the yeah. chickens are in inside at night? Yeah, so they all get locked up at night uh -huh. when it gets Best dark. Way. Whenever they decide to go to bed, they're an absolute nightmare to try and get in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and how many have you got now? Um, so combining both sheds, I've probably got about 300 broilers at the moment. Um, so again, it's pretty low scale. It's enough to keep me busy though, with especially the farm and full time job and uh -huh. also the chickens. So and you're doing so you're selling currently where? Um, it's all mostly um, to kind of end customers. So farmers markets or doing doorstep deliveries and um, mm -hmm. that sort of idea. Trying to get into a few other different retailers at the moment. So. Mm -hmm. We'll just have to see where it goes. It's all in the baby steps at the moment. Yeah. But Forsyth is the main retailer right now. That's so I, I picked on the right one. He's always got a great eye for quality. <laughs> yeah. Quality meat. With the limited uh, light in the winter months, there must be... Is there more health challenges with the chickens? or? Not really. Um, I never really suffer much health challenges with my chickens because the stocking densities are so low. Mm -hmm. So I don't get bothered with anything like um, coccidiosis, which is usually... a a parasite is such an infection that comes in with high stocking densities so not not really okay. um, and none of my birds are medicated in any way their feed's not medicated so if there's usually a problem um, or if they get something like coccidia um, uh, what was I saying there? <laughs> uh, medication yeah um, if they get coccidiosis it's usually apple cider vinegar or something in their water and it just cleans them Naturally. out. Naturally. Yeah, keep it natural. So I've described what I think the difference is your chickens. Have I missed anything out? Is there any other difference you compare a supermarket chicken with what you're producing? Um, my birds are kept quite a bit longer life-wise. Yeah. Um, so they have more of a chance to mature in both um, flavour and also, I suppose, texture as mm -hmm. well when you're eating the bird. It's more of a firmer kind of texture rather than just a really spongy tasteless watery, texture yeah. yeah watery texture so how old are you taking them so the youngest i would probably take are between 10 and 11 weeks old uh -huh. the oldest ones i would take um can be about 20 weeks old and okay. they can be quite big birds they could be five kilo dressed weight quite easily so they are like a proper cape on christmas sized chicken okay um, I don't know if you're aware of the Grass-Fed Nation book by Graham Harvey, where he claims about really the key is about taking pasture-fed yeah. uh, chickens. And the research is showing that really the nutrition and the higher ratio of omega-3 to mm -hmm. omega-6 fatty acids is, is really quite important for, for humans to protect against many diseases, right. including mm -hmm. um, cancer. But actually this way of rearing chickens is really important for our own soil and working mm -hmm. around with the, the material so 
it's exciting to see that you're part of this new the, the new farms and what we should be looking for in chickens. <laughs> but as we when you started to sell the chickens, was there different health safety regulations before you took it out to market? And can you explain what hurdles you had to go through? Um there's actually there's not that much that I actually had to go through. I think the prospect of starting out was a lot more daunting than what you actually had to do. Okay. Um, in terms of it being so low scale um, and a low risk product, even though it's chicken, it's still a low risk product because it still needs to be cooked. Uh-huh. Um, I obviously had to go through my um, uh, humane, humane killing, culling of poultry uh-huh. um, to get my certificates to be signed off to do that because mm-hmm. everything is processed on farm. Um, and then after I had managed to get my certificates under my belt, it was then getting a mini abattoir slash processing room set up on the farm and getting it signed off. Mm-hmm. So that was just a conversation with environmental health, which were very helpful with coming out, advising, helping you set up your paperwork, signing off the premises. And once you're ready to go and you're kind of got a background in food anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's quite it's quite simple to actually set up. And as long as you keep on the right side of legislation That's and everyone, right. it's it's quite an easy thing to set up with regard with regards to your packaging mm-hmm. did you give any special thought about recyclable packaging or? well when I first started out I was kind of stuck with where I would go with the packaging I thought plastic which I know is obviously a big issue at the moment mm-hmm. is it keeps the bird contained and keeps any liquid or anything from coming out so I thought well I can't really have any other options than that but then um, it was put to me, well, what about wrapping them in greaseproof paper? Mm-hmm. Which is something I'm trialling at the moment, actually. Um, it does seem to work. It doesn't look as presentable as when it's in the bag and you can see the bird and everything. Mm-hmm. But it is looking more to a more eco-friendly way of packaging. Because once you've used the plastic bag with a chicken in it, yeah, it's not as if you can use it again. It's What do you feel that super- supermarkets can do to help reduce the waste? Um... Definitely when they've got like a whole chicken and they've got that, that tree underneath them and then they wrap it all in plastic, they could maybe do away with it, the tree or it's just that's quite a lot of packaging for just a whole yeah. chicken and then it's, it could be quite big big plastic boxes for showing all if the cuts and things can sometimes be yeah. a bit extreme. But it can be very hard to get away from packaging meat in supermarkets to keep it fresh and let people see the product without... Mm keeping it under plastic so realistically I mean remember is it Hugh Fernley Whittenshaw had a big chicken campaign a number of years ago mm-hmm. about making us re- eat proper chicken and, uh-huh. um, what should we realistically be paying for a good chicken um, realistically I you should probably be paying for a good chicken um, anywhere between the sort of 10 and 20 pounds for your sort of normal size chicken mm-hmm. um, I mean I charge for my corn feeding and free range Mine's from buying from me I'm 7 pounds a kilo mm-hmm. which I think is a fair price to the producer and to the customer with what product you're getting mm-hmm. um, yes that makes a chicken anywhere between 10 and 20 pounds which mm-hmm. people might think is expensive considering you can get a chicken in the supermarkets for 2 pounds 50 mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the nutrition no um, giving it. and the way I kind of look at it is that I'm raising my birds in a way that 
your beef and lamb is raised. It mm-hmm. is out effectively grazing, mm-hmm. um, and that does take a lot longer for the bird to mature and get to the size where it is a table bird to eat. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's probably a fair price right. for playing for poultry. Now, as a young farmer, it's quite key that we move farming skills down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you're doing to now to help train or opportunities for community groups to get involved or come and learn about husbandry of chickens and things? Um, to be fair, I've not really had um, much at the moment um, in terms of people wanting to come out and look at the, the, the place and things. Um, Within young farmers, there has been quite a few younger ones that have asked about what I'm doing, and I'm quite open to tell them mm-hmm. what I'm up to or how I'm getting here or how I'm getting there. Um, and there is a few other kind of customers that are starting to become a little bit more curious about, okay, how how does this whole farming of chicken thing work? Mm-hmm. And I'd be delighted to have people to come out and show them around and say, look, it's just a simple setup. It's just my, me and my chooks and a couple <laughs> of sheds. So the transparency, I would love to let people know where your food comes from uh-huh. and see it walking about a field and appreciate, yes, it's an animal, yes, you will be eating it, but appreciate I, where it's coming from. Yeah, I take it you don't, do you have names for these chicks? Um, well, yes, that's a lot. Of, <laughs> <laughs> that is actually a, a subject at the moment. I do have my pet hens at the moment, okay. which are kept separate. Right. But out in the broiler shed... Um, in my one of my batches, I actually have a very strange situation where I've got one of my broilers, which I think he's actually dwarfed. Oh! So he is in with all the big guys, but he's quite a bit smaller. Uh-huh. Um, and we've aptly called him Jeff. <laughs> so Jeff is in the sheds with the rest of the broilers, but he will not be seeing the the <laughs> other end of the situation. Right, I think okay. he'll be kept as a pet. <laughs> <laughs> when people. I mean, one of our neighbours here used to keep chickens really for eggs, and it was really nice. We occasionally uh-huh. get the, the honesty boxes put out on the street, and we uh-huh. all sort of shared them. But it's a lot of commitment, mm-hmm. uh, minding pets. Would you have any tips for people choosing birds for their own home garden about what they should be getting? Yeah, um, a lot. there's a lot of good laying breeds out there that you can get for your eggs in the morning and things mm-hmm. like a well summer or any sort of like Rhode Island Reds or anything, they're always going to be good layers or your light Sussex, but it always comes down to you need to properly sit down and understand if you're going to have that commitment to looking after those birds. Um, It's the same as any other pet. It's the same as having a dog. They're going to need fed in the morning. They'll need fed at night. Put away so your fox doesn't get them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, there's easier breeds to keep than others and better layers than others, but it always boils down to if you can be bothered to get out of your bed in the morning to go and let them out yeah bother to go and lock them away again at nine o'clock at night or something when you come home from the pub yeah <laughs> a farmer's life is never easy and yeah. holidays are very limited in the farm it, yeah, yeah it can be so with christmas just around the corner have you thought about expanding into turkeys oh now turkeys is a another subject for me i'm not a huge fan of turkeys actually i've worked with turkeys in the past and I can't stand the smell of them. All oh, right. <laughs> They're smelly wee things. Uh-huh. Um, I can deal with chickens, that doesn't bother me, but uh-huh. not probably not turkeys. Okay. I'll do cape-and-sized chickens for Christmas, uh-huh. but no, I'll let, I'll let someone else do it's the turkeys. <laughs> so have there been like two or three lessons that you've learned over the last year or so since you started doing this professionally 
mm-hmm. that, you, that we could share or learn from looking back? Um, I think the biggest um, thing that I've learned is don't ever doubt yourself. I mean, this time last year, if you'd asked me, Katie, um, do you think in a year's time you'll have your own abattoir, you will have your own processing room, you'll have a couple of sheds of chickens, and you will be doing it all yourself? I went, nah, no, nah, that will <laughs> never happen. Um, and I'm always one for, personally, I, I did and still do doubt myself quite a bit, but having the backing of Craig behind me to say, keep going, keep going, you can do it, um, definitely spurs you on and it's made me realise that you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it so I love the quote I can't remember who said it but um, the quote that always keeps me going is that um, nothing is impossible some things just take longer to achieve which is genuinely I I like to live by that yeah keep working hard (laughs) and it'll if you keep yeah exactly you've got to put the hours in yeah to make it come so next five years where is it going to be? Pasture poultry, Scotland? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it would be... I'd like to have a few more sheds and be doing it maybe on a full-time basis. I don't want to be too over-ambitious with where I think I'm going to be because, mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. Businesses can go down the pan. They can go... They can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to think that I would be at least doing it full-time, producing chicken, supplying it to people who appreciate the product, telling people about what you're doing, um, spreading the awareness of your meat and what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to be doing that, but we'll just have to see. I think and there's great opportunities. People now have a lot more interest in food and yeah. really sourcing their food directly themselves. So Yeah, definitely. I think in the last year or so, I think people have started to realise, okay, we enjoy a steak, but where's our steak coming from? Mm-hmm. Or we enjoy pork chops, but where's our coming from mm-hmm. instead of just seeing it on the counter and going yeah that'll do for tea mm-hmm. people are becoming more aware of okay so it was actually an animal what's where's it been living what sort of life has it had has has it had a happy life mm-hmm. and people want to connect back with their food which i think is great because it's been so long that people don't know where their food's coming from mm-hmm. and i love telling them about the chickens i know at the end of the day it's an animal that will have to meet its maker but it's still a product that people enjoy and as long as it's had a good life it was it's it's fine and tell me have you had any support from national organizations from like business gateway and getting you going or no um uh, so i've completely funded it all yourself. myself yeah so you wouldn't well think a, a 24 year old girl um instead of going out and buying her Self a new dress and a new pair of shoes. I'm like, right, let's go and buy some equipment for the the processing room. Yep, stainless steel tables. That'll do grand. Perfect. Um, but it, yeah, it's completely funded by myself, and I'm, I'm quite proud of that because it has been it has been quite hard to try and, and use, co- get that money. You're quite it. active with social media and things as well. It's, yeah, yeah. There's a whole different area for farmers to oh, be going definitely. down so you're young and ahead of the game on that front <laughs> well fingers crossed hopefully <laughs> well I think thank you Katie it's been a privilege to speak to you and hear what you've been doing and I think your chickens I can testament to being fabulous oh so, well thank you well thank you for taking the time oh well thank you very much it's been lovely to meet you as well mm-hmm.